We'll turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus, of course, as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And we've been seeing this as we've gone through. We saw it in the background. We saw it at his birth. We saw his baptism. We're seeing it now as he goes through his life and his ministry. As he carries out the ministry, he does signs. In fact, we call it the signs and miracles associated with the Messiah. If you go back to the Old Testament, it talks all about this. And he fulfills the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah. Now, the religious leaders reject it. Uh, they, they do not want to admit that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah. So as they see him doing these signs and miracles, they have rejected him. And so they've been actually saying, and we saw it last week and even another time before that, that the power that he's doing these miracles by is actually the power of Satan. So this morning, the scribes, and this is what's weird. This morning, we're going to see the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus seeking a sign. Now, we know from the context, they're not really looking for a sign. They just want to see what he's going to say. They're pretending to come and say, show us a sign that you're really the Messiah. He's already done all the signs that show that he is a Messiah. And so Jesus gives them the answer. He talks about his death and resurrection. There's a whole bunch in the passage. Even the, the part about the unclean spirit going out of a man, we'll talk more about that as we get through it. There's a lot there. When you think about signs, they are important. There's traffic signs and direction signs and information signs and warning signs. Signs tell us where to eat and what to eat, those kind of things. Signs give us a message. You know, they do a lot of things. First of all, signs are, really give a message of authority. I mean, they'll tell you to do something. They'll say stop or go. And you know whether anybody's there or not, you know, you're supposed to obey that. Uh, Candy Cameron did a deal one time as they put in at a supermarket. When, some, when people walked in the supermarket, they had this big sign that said, please wipe your feet. And everybody came into the supermarket and wiped their feet and went on in. I mean, because the sign told them to do that. They just wanted to see how many people would do that. There's a second thing about signs, and they point the way, uh, like road signs or directions. But when you think about the signs of Jesus Christ, they're pointing out who he is, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior. He is the King of the Jews. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There were signs connected with his life. There were signs connected with his death. And this morning, Jesus, as we look at it, Jesus is going to point out a sign connected with his death. God does not want mankind to miss the Messiah. When you go all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and the seed of woman, going through Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, all the way through David, all the way up, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, all what we see is that there are signs that they were pointing out who the Messiah would be. And we've seen signs, or there are signs, when you think about Christ's life, or, or think about Christ, there are signs dealing with his birth, his life, and even the death of our Savior. And what we want to do is just right at the start, I want to just touch on a couple of signs dealing with his, his, uh, his birth and his life. And then in this passage, he actually deals with a sign dealing with his death. So let's think about his birth for just a second. When you think about signs, Isaiah seven fourteen said that it was a sign that a virgin would conceive. And that was the miracle. Mary had a baby. She, she had not had sexual relations, and yet the virgin conceived. And that was Isaiah seven fourteen. The Bible said in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Angel came and told the shepherds, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And so then the Magi came. And when the Magi came, there was a sign for them, the star that went before them. And then when you think about the life of Christ and the signs that were there, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, if you remember, this is in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says this. He says, we, we figure that you're from God because of the signs 
you are continually doing. That's in John chapter 3. He was doing signs even at the beginning of his ministry. At the end of the Gospel of John, he says there were many other signs that Jesus did that are, that, are, that are recorded here. There are many other signs Jesus did. But he said these are recorded so that the reader might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing would have life. What signs did Jesus do? Well, he did physical signs, Isaiah 35, where he healed the sick and raised the dead and the lame, lame could walk and the blind could see. But he also did spiritual signs when he forgave sins and he did all of those things. And so when you look at Jesus in his life, he is doing all these signs. Well, this morning, the religious leaders, they rejected every one of them. In fact, they've said he's from the devil. And so this morning, Jesus gives them a sign, but it's not a sign of his birth and it's not a sign about his wife. It's going to be a sign dealing with his death. And so we're going to see the third aspect of the sign, and it deals with his death and resurrection. And it's called the sign of Jonah. And he gives them this final sign. And, and so it, it deals with his death, it deals with his resurrection, and we call it the sign of Jonah. So let me, let me raise some questions. And does, did Jesus do the signs of the Messiah? Of course, we know that already. The answer is yes. What are the consequences of rejecting Jesus. We're going to see what he says in this passage. Who are the ones that are in God's family? Because at the end, they raise a question. They say, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus said, who are my, who, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then what is, because he says, whoever does the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? So let me break down the passage for you. In verses 38 through 40, we see the sign of Jonah. And then in 12, uh, verses 40 through 42, he talks about uh, rejection brings judgment. And then there's an allegory, this this weird little story where he says when this unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes through waterless places. He's going to talk about that. It's an allegory about the nation. And then he finally talks about the family of God. So there's a lot in here. And just because of time, I'm, I'm going to have to go fairly quickly. But I want you to look at this because Jesus gives the sign. And it's a sign to these unbelievers declaring who he is. And there's a judgment coming. Now, if we didn't know the context of the passage and we just started reading at verse 38, it would say this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, if we didn't know the context, we would think that they're coming up and saying, Listen, we're just really looking at this thing and, and we, would you show us a sign so we can know that you're the Messiah? We know that that's not what they want at all. They don't care. They're really challenging him. They're hoping that they're going to make him look bad. And so notice again, uh, uh, and this is, this is what we're going to see. They're asking for the sign. And notice it says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now this is sarcastic. It really is because they've already seen the signs. They're basically saying, Show us something that proves you're the Messiah. And he could say, Well, I forgave sins. I calmed the storm. I healed the sick. I raised the dead. I made the blind see, I made the lame walk, I make a guy who couldn't talk talk. Uh, what else would you want? That's what he's done. And they're rejecting it. He's done everything from the scripture that the Messiah would do, and they challenge him. So he's going to give them a sign. He's going to give them one more sign. But it's not a sign of his life. It's a sign of his death. And uh, look at verse 39. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now, he calls them evil and adulterous. Now, that does, sometimes we don't, that doesn't make sense. He's saying the nation of Israel, the people that should have been following him, he's calling them adulterous. And we know what adultery is. It's someone who's unfaithful. See, because in the scripture, the nation of Israel 
Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was the bride or the wife of Jehovah. Now, in the New Testament, he's, he's the bride of Christ. You know, we're the bride of Christ. He's, the, he's that. Well, in the Old Testament, he was called the wife of Jehovah. And so he actually says, when you go after false gods, you're committing adultery on me. That's what Jesus actually says. And so he says, I'm going to give you a sign. There will be no sign except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now, let me just remind you, Jonah was, was a prophet of God. God told Jonah to go to the capital, to a city, of the capital of, of the Ninevites, uh, uh, go to Nineveh, capital of the Syrian empire, and to give a message to them. Jonah didn't want to go, so he got in a ship, went the other way, and got through a big storm, and Jonah got in trouble, and the only way that, that the people's lives could be saved, Jonah said, just throw me in the water, let me drown. They threw him in the water. God had a big fish come up and swallow Jonah, actually some kind of sea monster, and, and got him and kept him inside for three days and three nights. Best we can tell, he was alive. In fact, if you read Jonah chapter 2, Jonah is praying from inside the, fi- the belly of the, the whatever it is. It calls it sea monster. Some say it's a fish. Some say it's a whale. We don't know. Anyway, after three days and three nights, he threw him up on the shore. Just threw him up. And he got up and dusted himself off, went into the city of Nineveh, which was a gigantic city in those days, and he proclaimed a message. And the message was not, believe in the Messiah and you'll be saved. The message was, in 40 days, the entire city will be destroyed. That was the message. And everybody there went we, we, we don't want to be destroyed. And so they all put on sackcloth and ashes, turned to God, didn't say that they believed in the Messiah or anything. It said they turned to God and said, we don't want to be bad anymore. And so God saved them. And so the sign of Jonah was, he was in the belly of the great sea monster or whatever it was, three days and three nights. Look what he says. He says, for just here's the sign. It will be no sign except given of the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster... So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. By the way, this is, this is the sign. He said, what's going to happen is I'm going to die, and I'm going to be dead three days and three nights, and then I'm coming back, just like Jonah was in that belly of that animal, that fish, that whatever, and, and three days and three nights. Then he came back, picture of death and resurrection. He said, I'm going to die, and I'm coming back. See, that's the sign. The last sign is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful sign because Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that it proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God by his resurrection of the dead. Now, I want you to think about something, and I'm not going to even talk about it today. just want you to think about it. Everybody teaches that Jesus died on Friday and was raised on Sunday, and we call it Good Friday. But if you take Matthew 12, 38 through 40, three days and one, three nights... See if you can get three days and three nights if you die on Friday and come back on Sunday. You cannot. Jesus most likely did not die on Friday. He most likely died on a Wednesday. That's how you get the three days and three nights. We'll talk about that some other time. But anyway, I just want you to think about it because Jesus said as Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster, three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. See, the key for Jesus Christ is his resurrection. He died on the cross to pay for sin. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, if he didn't rise from the dead, we got nothing. The resurrection is the key. And so his final sign is his resurrection. Now, let me, let me remind you of something. When Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and they put him in the tomb, all of the disciples said, wow, this was so bad. We thought he was the one. The unbelievers 
went and said, he said he's going to rise from the dead after three days. Let's put a guard on the tomb. Unbelievers were thinking he was going to rise, and the believers weren't. They got so confused. Jesus said, if you reject me, and I'm going to die and rise again, there are consequences. Look what he says in verse 41, because he's going to give that rejection brings judgment. And he uses two examples, Nineveh and Sheba. Look what he says. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented of the preaching of Jonah. And behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. Now he says the people of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. That's where Jonah went. They believed the message. The message was 40 days and the city's going to be destroyed. They said, we don't want the city to be destroyed. They turned to God, put on sackcloth and ashes and said, oh God, don't destroy our city. And God said, okay, I won't. They believed the message of Jonah. Jesus says, that generation of Ninevites will stand up at the judgment and judge you because they believed Jonah, and I'm here, and you're not believing me. I'm the Messiah. He basically says, somebody, notice what he said, behold, something greater than Jonah is here. He said, they believe Jonah, you don't believe the Messiah. And then he gives another one. And he says, And the queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The, 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 the queen of the south is uh, Sheba. The queen of Sheba, she came to Solomon. If you go back in, in Kings, Solomon was the richest man, wisest man in the world. And the queen of Sheba, we're not sure where it is, probably somewhere in Egypt. She heard how wise he was. She made this long journey with all of this stuff. She got there. She said, I wanted to meet with Solomon. I heard how wise he is and how rich he is and how great he is. And she got there and saw him. He met with her. He gave her stuff. And she said, I haven't even seen the half of, of what I heard about how great this man is. Jesus said, the queen of Sheba made the big trip to see Solomon because she heard how wise he is, and I'm greater than Solomon, and you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. They, this nation has the Messiah, and they reject the Messiah. There's judgment coming. Now, the, men of Nin- the, uh, the generation of Ninevites, Jonah was to them. Solomon was to the queen of Sheba. Who is the sign to this generation that we live in today? You know who it is? It's us. We get to proclaim into our community the message of Jesus Christ. We get to do it. We don't take it, we, 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 we don't take it seriously. We say, you know, I go to church and I do this and I do this, but do we actually say, Lord, There are people all around me that do not know the message of Jesus Christ. I have the message. I have the gospel, the good news. It is my responsibility to take it into this community. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. We get to bring the good news. Each one of us in this room, we are the sign to this generation that we live in, just like Jonah was to his, just like Solomon was to his, and even Jesus to his. And that's what he's talking about. Now, this next one is a little bit hard because we're going to see an allegory and he's going to talk about what the nation is like and he's going to use a story. And let me read it to you, okay? Listen to this. He says, When the unclean spirit 
goes out of a man. That means when a demon leaves a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and gets seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Now, let me stop for a second. And then here's what he says at the end. This is the way it will also be with this evil generation. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He's using this example to say, and this person was demon-possessed, and, and, and demon possession happens. I did a study last year on angels and demons. We went through all kinds of things. It's an amazing study. Sometimes people get demon-possessed, not believers, unbelievers. But he's using an example and saying, here's an unbeliever who's got a demon. The demon leaves. The guy cleans up his life. He doesn't trust in the Messiah or the Savior. He doesn't do that. He just, he just starts trying to be good. And the demon comes back with seven other demons and gets back in and is worse. It's a picture of a person saying, I'm going to clean up my life and try to live a good life and never trust in Christ. That's what he's saying. And then he's saying that the nation of Israel, what did they do? They tried to keep all of the laws, and yet they missed the Messiah. They tried to clean up their lives and have all their rules. That's what that evil generation was. They tried to live good. They tried to keep the Mosaic laws, and yet they missed the Messiah. And he says, it's not going to be good in the end for the nation of Israel because they've rejected the Messiah. And that's what that story is about. It's pretty hard. Now, let me tell you, there's some hard things in there. And listen to this. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. What does that mean? I don't know. Nobody knows, I think. It's waterless places. It almost appears that demons don't like water. That's almost what it says. Now, you remember when all the pigs were on the side of the hill and Jesus went there and the guy had the uh, legion, had all of the demons inside of him and Jesus cast the demons out. And remember what the demons said? Uh, let us go into the what? The pigs, you remember? What happened to the pigs? Where did they go? They went running and went into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. I don't think the, pig, I don't think the demons wanted to go into that water. There's something about that says demons seeking waterless places. Then he says, I'm going to come back, and I'm, it's going to be unoccupied and swept, cleaned up, and he brings seven other demons, and it makes it worse. Jesus is saying, listen, uh, when an empty person, person who cleans up his life lives and tries to do good, but they're empty because they don't have the Messiah, the Savior. There are a lot of people in this world that think if you just try to live a good life, you're going to get to God. I thought that. I thought if you could live good, do more good than bad, you'd go to heaven. I'll never forget a story. I had a seminary professor. He was also a missionary. He would take mission trips in the summer. He took a mission trip to Haiti. And he found a lady who was a nun, and she had been in Haiti for 35 years doing ministry as a nun. And he talked to her, and he talked to her about Christ. And he said, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? He asked the nun that. And she said, I don't know. And he said, it's just faith in Christ. And she said, no, 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 no. You think all this that I've done for 34 years is for nothing? Now, what was she trusting? She wasn't trusting in her Savior. And see, sometimes this is like people who do good things and, and think by trying to live a good life or do good things or keep the law or do something that somehow that's going to merit 
them salvation. Salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. And this is what the religious leaders were doing. They were obeying the rules in order to get to God. They were clean, but they were empty, and the only way to get to God is by faith in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So that little story is basically saying the nation of Israel tried to live good and missed the Messiah, and it's going to end badly. Well, we'll finish up real quickly, and we're going to see this last part, and he's talking about the family of God. Who is the true family? Look what it says. While he was still speaking, and by the way, the best we can understand from some of the others, when you, when you look at the other Gospels, he's in a house. He's in some place, and his mother and brothers come to see him, but they can't get in to see him. Because there's so many people. So look what it says. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside. They're outside the house seeking to speak to him. They actually come up and say, "Uh, could somebody go inside and tell Jesus his mama's out here and his brothers, we'd like to talk to him. So it says that somebody went in. So somebody said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Now, do you know how many brothers Jesus had? He had four brothers. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 gives us the four brothers. He also had sisters. We don't know how many. It says plural, sisters. He may at least had two sisters. And so Joseph, we, we don't know much about Joseph, but he was named after his dad. And we know who Jude is. Jude is the book of Jude. We know who James is. James is the book of James, uh, the one who wrote the book of James. He was also the first pastor, basically the pastor in Jerusalem. And we don't know anything about Simon. And that's the four brothers. So the four brothers and mama are outside waiting to talk to Jesus. And look what it says. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Now, you, you, if you were standing there, you might think, Does he misunderstand the question? Oh, I mean, I just told him, What do you mean? Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And then he does this. He's stretching out his hand toward his disciples He said, Behold, my mother, my brothers, whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Who is in the family of God? It's whoever does the will of the Father. Now, some people get concerned about that, and they go, Oh, what is the will of the Father? Simply put, John chapter 6, verse 40, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. The will of the Father is to believe in Jesus Christ. When people say you've got to do God's will, yeah, God's will is to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And whoever believes in Him, He gives eternal life, and He will raise us up. That's the will of the Father. And so Jesus looks and says, you really want to talk about family? Anyone who believes in me is part of my family. We talked about it in Grow Group this morning, about the fact that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. You're in the family of God. John 3, 16, you, he loved us, and whoever believes in him has eternal life. John 11, uh, basically 25 says, I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will never die. He is the resurrection and the life. What a passage this morning. Let me give you some application, just some things to think through, because it's a lot in this. But the first one is, let's proclaim Christ as Savior. Let's do it. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life. Understand that Jesus' death and resurrection proved he's the Messiah and the King. He gave the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah was he's going to die and rise again. It is that simple. We always look at the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John has seven signs that Jesus did, but there's actually eight. The last sign is his resurrection from the dead. So understand that. Second is rejection brings judgment. The nation of Israel rejected the Messiah, even though he's better than Jonah, he's better than Solomon, he's better than anything, they rejected him. Works cannot save us. That's why a person who says, I'm going to clean up my life. I've had people come to me and say, that, you know, for a person to be saved, they need to get their act together. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, they've got to turn away from their sins. I said, so in other words, you're saying to be saved, you've got to quit sinning, you've got to get your act together. Yeah. No, no. That's like, that's like cleaning up the house and leaving it wide open for the demons. That's what it's like in that, that story. Salvation is not by works. It's by faith alone and Christ alone. And just remember that God's family, to do the will of the Father, to be in God's family, is to believe in Jesus Christ. So let's never forget that. Finally, yeah, let's be faithful as a sign to this generation. Now, we, we must know the gospel message. And let me tell you, let me just say this. Almost everybody in our church, if you've been here any length of time, you should know the gospel. We teach it all the time. 1 Corinthians 15, the death and resurrection of Christ, the response is to believe in him. We, the message is so clear. Take John 3.16. You can tell anybody that message. If you said, I don't feel that confident on sharing my faith, then you come see me. I will either teach you, I'll get somebody else to teach you, or you can take Brian's class this fall, just in a couple of weeks. He'll be teaching what we call the 412 Foundations. It's a great class. It teaches you how to share your faith and those kind of things. You should know. You, you must know the gospel and be clear on it, and we must make the gospel known. When we go out this room, we have to tell other people because they don't know. <laughs>